0: awesome You ready to get into the Word to study I love studying the Torah and I am so grateful for every second every opportunity Um, I am your teacher today whatever that means that means I'm your facilitator I like thinking of ourselves as facilitator that means we are we're the facilitator of your learning experience because your teacher is God we're just in place to help all of us to see things hopefully a little better get a little closer to knowing him more and that's the whole point so that we can walk this walk out together as a team so let's pray and then we'll get into it father we just love you and we thank you so much for waking us up this morning lord thank you for giving us another day lord thank you for giving us breath in our body lord lord i just thank you for the words that you're going to use today lord to help somebody Lord, to help myself, Lord, to know you, to walk with you. And I give you praise for all that you're going to do. Let's say the, um, the Hebrew prayer. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to immerse ourselves in the words of the Torah. Amen. Amen. And I love that because think about immersing yourself in something. What do you do when you immerse yourself in water? You go all the way in, in, right? You don't just put your toe in. That doesn't mean immerse. In case you could put your toe in if you want to. But to immerse yourself means your, your entire world, your entire life is framed by the Torah as much as you can. And that's our goal. And the question always is what does that look like? What does it look like for your life to be immersed in the Torah, and that's always the challenge, because everybody has a different look, right? Your look, Dr. Phil's look, is different than, I said Dr. Phil, I just called Dr. Phil, his name, are you, you're not an actual doctor, right? I just always call you Phil, but you're Dr. Phil to me, okay? <laughs> yes, Dr. Phil. Um, but everybody 's look of studying the Torah is different, like the the family that you were raised up in you 've probably seen your parents follow God or follow the torah and you got there 's different perception that you have of what it looks like and this is what our goal this is what we 're trying to get at. I want to start with a quote, and the quote is it 's easier it 's no excuse me it 's more difficult to rule a city than to rule your own self. Think about that. It's more difficult to rule, I think I said it wrong. It's more difficult to rule yourself than to rule a city. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's more difficult to rule yourself than to rule a city. Because it's easy, a lot of times we make broad scale sayings about things that we know nothing about. Instead of trying to worry about fixing ourselves. See, we're the ones who need a lot of fixing. We do. And a lot of times it's easier to look at something else and not even think about us. And the title is The Scroll, Redemption, and the Messiah. And this is what I'm getting at. Redemption is so big. We all need to be redeemed from a lot of things. Think about redemption. That's a huge topic. It's what do you need to be redeemed from? And it's not just spiritually. I don't want to just say spiritually. We need to be redeemed from a lot of stinking thinking. And where did that stinking thinking come from? Who knows where, right? From our background, from our cousin, from that uncle that came by, who shouldn't have came by, or that whatever, you get the point? So how do we get redeemed from all this? well, God is going to help us to get redeemed from all this. That's, that's the point. So when I come and I study the Torah, I study the scripture, I'm not studying this as just to get a lot of knowledge in my head to show you that I know something that I don't. I study the scripture because I know it's going to change my life. And I know it has changed my life completely, like night and day. And I want, so when you come in here to Congregation Beth Adonai, or anytime you get in front of somebody that's teaching here, our job is to challenge you to change. That's it. That's simple. That's what redemption is. It's about changing from one step to the next. And we're going to get a little more in, in depth with that. I got here. It says, "Where are we? Where are we?" He said, we? "We're at Congregation Beth Today is the uh, the fourth of Adar, the year five thousand seven hundred eighty. And this week's Torah portion is what's this week's Torah portion? Tarumai. Tarumai which is heave offerings. And we're not going to talk a lot about that today, but it's just i like to talk about where we are. Um, and I wanted to review quickly this, um, the Shemot names. That's the book of Exodus, and that's Israel. See, God is loving on Israel, and you can see a process. And the process that we see how God is loving on Israel is how God loves on us, and it's the same process. I am a, I am a constructivist at heart. You know what a constructivist is? As we reflect on our experiences, we construct our own understanding of the world. Think about that. So as you reflect on things, you, everybody does, whether we agree with it or not, you're a constructivist. Okay, You are a constructivist. It's just the way it is. Because we're reflecting on things and we're adding to our understanding of the world. We're, we're adding to our understanding of who God is. And that's what God did with Israel. God showed Israel one step at a time who he was. He was also showing the world. How did he show the world, at least we know in the beginning of the book of Exodus, who he was? He showed the world through all those, at least one way was through the plagues. He was establishing that he is God. Any questions? And if you go into a study of each one of the plagues, they corresponded to a lot of those Egyptian gods. The God of the Nile and the God of this that they had. God was establishing himself saying, look, I am the God that you need to follow. So it wasn't just for Israel. It was an education for the whole world. He was going to just use Israel as a, as a seed to show everybody who he was. And that's so huge. We're doing the same thing today. That's the whole point. So going back to where we are. Um, Shemot is names Vaira which was I appeared Bo was go or come Beshalach which is when he sent Githro was Jethro and Mishpatim was the one from last week which was judgments or rulings and I wanted to start at Deuteronomy 29 verse 28 it says the secret things belong to Adonai our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever in order to do all words of this Torah. Let me read that again. The secret things belong to Adonai our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children in order to do all the words of this Torah. See, that's the whole point. Today we're going to be talking about something that's in the book of Revelations. We're going to be talking about the scroll. What is this scroll? We'll see, hopefully. I don't want to talk about it yet. I'm just throwing that out. That was just a little something. Throwing it out there. But the whole point is whenever we study um, prophecy, end time revelations, the reason we're studying this is to provoke us to follow God. That's it. Because we want to provoke somebody, all of us, to walk with God a little better. And if we're studying the Torah or we're studying end times just to build up our heads to act like we know something that we don't, that's not the point. God is, God is doing everything he can to challenge us to follow him. That's it. And let me read that scripture again because I just love it so much. The secret things belong to Adonai, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever in order to do all the... The last part is the least important part, at least at the moment. In order to do all the words of this Torah, in order to do all the words of this Torah, that's the whole point. God wants us to follow his Torah. And as we follow the Torah, we're, we're making our lives line up with him. Romans fourteen eleven says, It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow, and every tongue will acknowledge that I am God. See, when you study the end times, we need to understand that. At the end, everybody's going to acknowledge. All will acknowledge. There are many who say, you know what, I don't believe in God. That's fine. That's, That's your prerogative. I don't understand that at all for one second. I do understand this. I think the challenge is, at least for some, at least if they're intellectually honest, it's hard to say that I don't believe that there is a God. I don't know if you heard of the book. Um, it it takes a lot of faith to be an atheist. anybody seen that book? It takes a lot of it does. It takes a lot of faith to believe in an atheist. You got to have a you got to you all this around me. I live for like live for like five minutes and know all the crazy stuff that goes on, and you got to know that there's a God. So I think the big, the the bigger question is not that we're, if we if there's a God is what does God want me to do. I think that's the bigger question. What does God want me to do on this earth? OK, I believe in God. So what does that mean? Do I just do whatever I want to do? Do I just live any other kind of way? Well, obviously not, because we're here at Congregation Beth not. Well, I think that's the challenge that we are to challenge others with, is to tell people, this is how you are to live for God. And people, at least I talk to a lot of teens. I, I teach in high school, for those of you who didn't know that. Um, I'm never saying, my name is Terry Farrell. I just started talking to y'all like y'all knew who I was, okay? Uh, my name is Terry Farrell, and I've been here teaching the 10 a.m. class for at least a year and a half, probably two years, maybe more than that. But I absolutely love teaching, just to, so y'all can know who I am. And I think it's great to to just pause and have the opportunity to study from him. And I think when anybody's teaching, when anybody's teaching you, it's not that they're teaching you. It's they're helping you guide and follow God as much as they can. Because cause guess what? The only real teacher is God. I think we talk, and that, that's it. Sometimes we think we know all that, and we, we, we think it, but we just don't. Right, I'm reading that scripture. Isaiah forty-five twenty-three: By myself I have sworn, truth has gone out from my mouth, a word that will not be revoked, Every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess allegiance. Amen. What do we need to be redeemed from? And this goes back to the title. I think we talked about this a little earlier. We need to be redeemed from stinking thinking because a lot of us have a lot of stinking thinking and sometimes we have stinking thinking that we don't even know we have. Matter of fact, most of the time it's that way. We don't even understand how way off we are. Because we're the ones who are way off. So you don't even realize you're that far off. And Philippians 2.5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among... So that means we have the ability, when you accept the Messiah, to have the mind of the Messiah. Wow. Is that important? Yes. Second Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So part of our redemption is to have a sound mind. Is that something that just comes because, no, that's something that we have to work at. That's something we have to be diligent at to work at. And it was something I wanted to read to you all. Okay, this is a quote, and the quote's by Daniel J. Borsten, and the quote is, The greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. Let me read that again. The greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance. It is the illusion to knowledge. Because, see, sometimes, and I, I find this a lot in school, sometimes it's hard to teach somebody who thinks you already know something. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yes. Because it's like you're talking to a wall. You could talk and say whatever you want to say, in it, but if people aren't um, humble enough to receive it, honestly, it's better to stop talking. You might as well just pray for them and walk away. Right? Because maybe you're not the one that's going to speak that word to them. Maybe you just need to pray for them, and that's okay. And that, that's fine. And that's why, and I do this with, I do this with my students. And y'all are my students because I'm standing here, and I love this. Anyway, I like to establish this. Whenever you come to learn, you have to promise me. We have to make an oath here, okay? You have to promise me that you're going to show up. Is everybody going to show up here today? You're here. You, you. It's no way. It's too late now. You can't leave. You've showed up. You, you have to promise me that you're paying attention. Are oh, you promise me that? Yes. You promise me. That. Okay. The next one is. This was the hard one you got to promise me that you're going to tell the truth. Okay. And, and think about it. And not just tell the truth to me, but tell the truth to you. Do we lie to ourselves sometimes? Yes. Yeah, we do. We lie to ourselves, hopefully not all the time, but we lie to ourselves. We do. And I did have a question. Question, yes. I like questions. I love questions. Right. Just trying to back up a little bit. Nope. What does a sound line, mind look like? like you know, yes. Look like it's, it's because, you yes. Know you, like, okay. you know what? We're gonna t- that's actually next. Okay. At least one part of it. Honestly, I think it's a difficult question to say what is a sound mind. For me to say, okay, it's blah, blah, blah. I think there's many aspects of a sound mind. And we're going to talk about something called a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. That's just one aspect of a sound mind. And I think that's something we have to challenge ourselves to get to, you know. But thank you, thank you very much. See, we planned that; that was perfect. We didn't plan that. I'm just joking. All right. Okay. All right. So our attentions were what? Show up, pay attention, and tell the truth. We got to tell the truth. Telling the truth just means be honest about what you're learning. Be honest about who you are with God. And I believe if you're honest about who you are with God, God can move you to another place. Um, I am in the process, and I am enjoying every second of this. Okay, I'm making myself enjoy it, okay. Um, I am I'm rebuilding our shower, because our shower, we had a problem with it. So I have to gut the entire shower from everything. Like, so I have to build the base of the shower. I have to do the drain. Yes, pray for me, please, okay. Pray for me. But my point is, this is going to the part of telling the truth, See, if you don't tell the truth, that's your foundation. And if I don't build my shower correctly, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to have a lot of trouble. It's going to leak. And I'm going to want to say some words that I shouldn't be saying. Because I just spent a lot of money in that shower, and it's not proper. Right? See, that's what I believe God does with us. Not believe, I know it. And that's the foundation. That's why we got to show up when we're walking with God we gotta, we got we to gotta pay attention and we got to tell the truth because if you're not telling the truth, you're going to keep that mask on. You know what the mask is? You walk around and you're pretending and you act acting like you're something that you're not. And if we keep doing that, you're just not going to learn. I have conferences with students all the time and i got to get to their brain like their real self. Because some of them, they have a, um, I like to call it the mob mentality or the class mentality. They act a certain way in front of their other peers, but they don't act that same way when you're one-on-one. It's all day. It's night and day. It's, it's all the time. But we have the same thing. Some of us have a congregation face. When you come to congregation, you act a certain way. Let me not look at anybody when I say that. Okay. But you get the point. We all have a face that we have. We see lights. Anyway. We all have a certain face, but if we don't, that's why it's so important to tell the truth. That's why I'm kind of harping on this. So tell the truth. Be honest. Say, I don't get it, God. That didn't make, you know, I think what he's saying is crazy. Great. At least we're getting someplace. I don't like what he's wearing. Great. Well, too bad for you. Anyway, but the point is, you just have to be honest with yourself, and God can move you to another place. Like, I have to be honest about putting my shower in the right way. If not, I go. Oh, it's in the right way, but it ain't the right way. Guess what? It's gonna show up later. So if you're not honest over here, guess where it's gonna show up? Somewhere. It's gonna show up down the road. That's just life. And the last one, which I love, be curious about your judgments rather than controlled by them. Let me read that one again. Be curious about your judgments rather than controlled by them. So be curious. Want to learn? It's okay to try to figure things out. I love learning. I love learning. I love teaching. I think all of us are teachers. We just don't admit it. We're all, I can't remember where this quote came from, but we're all teachers without classrooms. Yeah, we are. We're all teachers. You're teaching something right now. You're teaching something by your posture when you come in. You're teaching something by when you say hello to somebody. Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Nice to see you. Great. Glad you're here. Glad LJ is here. See, just throwing you out there. LJ, all right. Hey, LJ. All right. But see, we're teaching something all the time in everything that we do. And see, that's what the Torah should do for us. That's why this whole idea of redemption is not just, and I hate to say just and salvation in the same sentence, but it's more than just salvation. It's about your every being. It's about redeeming your brain. It's about redeeming your flesh, your body. You know, we can go there for like an hour. How many of us need some redemption in our bodies? Can I raise my feet? Okay. We need, what do we do to redeem our bodies, to get it back? We've got to eat right. We've got to be healthy. We gotta, but even before that, we've got to learn what it means to be healthy. We've got to say, what does that look like? What does a healthy body look like? What does it mean to eat right? So that means you need to do our due diligence to study that. You need to watch some, nowadays it's easy, essay say easier, because all you do is type it in YouTube or Google and watch somebody talk about it. Ten steps to a better life with your health. Five steps to this or whatever. But we have to be honest with ourselves. If we're not honest with ourselves, then down the road, this redemption means nothing to us. Because we're just being fake. And we're going to be stuck at a certain place. And that's just the way it is. All right? So let's get to. How would you know that your thinking is off? Deception wouldn't be so deceiving if it wasn't so deceptive. I get tongue twister. God reveals himself to us at the capacity that we can handle it. We have to set the stage to receive from Him. you got to set the stage. And that's all we're doing. Our life is really consistent with just doing that. You're always setting the stage. You're doing this, okay, go back and reset the stage. Okay, go back and reset it a little more and allow God to to keep talking us through and walking us. Um, Y'all seen the show? Um, It's called 60 Days. Y'all seen the show? Okay, anyway, the show... What's wrong? I mean, I'm just joking. All right, 60 Day, it's a show. Um, they put these guys and ladies in a prison, in a jail. And, and they're supposed to be there to inform the um, police officers on things that are going on in jail. That's what they're supposed to be there for. So they put them in jail in the environment. So, what do you think is going to happen when you put these regular people in the environment of jail? What do you think is happening with them? What shouldn't happen, they shouldn't start acting like the prisoners. But what do you think has happened, at least what I'm getting at? They start acting like the prisoners. They start start taking on that environment that they've been placed in. Because that's a tough environment. I'm grateful I've never been to prison. Thank God. I've only been there to visit cousins and family. I'm on the other side. But I've never been there. And that's a whole environment. But guess what? Their environment started to mold them in a way that they didn't want to be molded and they had little symbols and signals to let the people know like okay get me out of here go do something like this and say okay it's time to go or whatever and there's some people that did well in the environment because they had to go in there and they really had to become a prisoner but stay sane in their own mind but that's what a lot of us do in our faith yeah I'm going there because guess some of us we try to stay in the world and also walk with God. You can't do that. You can't serve two masters, and that's a problem. See, if you try to serve two, what do you think is probably going to happen? One's going to suck you in, right? And that's if you allow it to. And it's hard not to, especially if you're in an environment and you're always there, people are always saying things, doing things, and that you know you shouldn't be around. Another good example of that is my 600-pound life. Y'all heard of that show? Some of y'all hadn't heard that show? Both of them are good. I love that. It's called My 600-Pound Life. Basically, it's um, individuals who are obese, over 600 pounds, maybe 700 pounds, and there's this awesome doctor. I love the doctor. He's just very patient. He's calm, and he goes in and says, look, if you don't do A, B, and C, this is not going to happen. He's trying to get them to lose weight. But if you watch the show, a lot of them, they're lying to themselves over and over. and their brain, they really don't get it. They don't understand. Some of y'all just think, some of us think, you know what, just stop eating so much and you'll lose weight. Do you think it's that simple? No, it's not that simple. It's actually a disease. It's a disease. If you study it, the more obese you are, the harder it is for you to lose weight. Because actually you want to eat more. Because if you do the study on it, your insulin level is very high. And when you have high insulin level in your body, you want to eat more. You're just, you're you're hungry. You just want to eat. So that's why it's a disease. But the only way they can really get help is for them to recognize that they have a disease. and that they really, It's not just as simple. Just like us, that's why redemption is a big deal. We got to recognize that we have this disease. And this disease was called sin. And this sin thing, we have to recognize it and call it out. So when we see things that we know are not right in our lives, you got to call that thing out. And say, okay, I see that this isn't right. I need to work at this to be better. And I'm going to keep doing this until I get better. And if I see something that pops out, that's why we start off with, you got to be honest. Because if you're not honest, you're you're lying to yourself and you're going to stay in that same place forever. And guess who? And God can't even help you. Because you're a free moral agent. You have to open up yourself to him. I still remember when I was in Tennessee, I was on the side of my house painting. I remember... And like it was yesterday um, and God, I wasn't being very super spiritual or anything I was literally painting the house and God says, "If he, he told me he said, if you reveal it to me I can heal it that simple but that was a big deal to me in my life at that time, because he needed for me to open up and say you know what, you need to change this thing in your life, but I had to open up to God and tell him first and then acknowledge, it's kind of like y'all I don't know if anybody here has to go. My my cousin, he goes to um, these alcoholic anonymous meetings. You heard of those? You know what? You know what's the first thing, the big deal that they have you do when you go to any of those meetings? What? Admit that you got a problem. Confess it. So maybe this is a confessional session right now. Okay, we're all confessing. Yes, I have issue A, issue B. Do all of us have many different issues? Yes. Yes, and we we wouldn't even try to tackle that because it's impossible. That's, That's a God issue. That's what he does. Like I said, that's why when we say I'm your teacher, I'm not your teacher. I'm just here to help facilitate your thinking in that direction. God is your teacher. God is speaking to you right now on things that you need to deal with. Not me. I'm just standing here speaking. Confirming. Yes, I like confirming. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because sometimes we need those confirmations on that walk. We need somebody to say, "Yeah, you're going in the right direction. Keep going. Come on, let's go. Keep going." Yes, we need confirmation. All right. That's something else I want to read. Okay, let's actually get to the PowerPoint. Okay, Matthew twenty-four thirty-six. It says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, except the Father alone. See, we're going to be talking about some end time stuff here. And I know some people, nobody here, but I've heard some people, we try to give a date to when um, the Lord's going to come back. And if the Messiah is coming back and what all that idea comes from. And the scripture is very clear all over the place that we will not know the actual date that he's going to come back. It's very clear. But it's, it also talks about we will know the season. See, we won't know the date, but we'll know the season when, it's gonna, when he's going to be here. Let's, Matthew 24:32 says, "Now now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near." See, we start seeing signs I like to call them signs of the times. When you start seeing signs that the Messiah is going to come, you don't know the date, but you know things are getting a lot closer. He also describes it like birth, birth pains of a woman. You, know, you may not know the date that the woman is going to give birth, but I bet you know when it's getting closer. Yes, you know when it's getting closer. When Obviously when the contractions are coming, you know it's getting closer. You don't know the date. When she starts to get a little larger, get the point the baby's coming it's getting a little closer I was trying to be nice about that all right anyway but you get the point that's how you're going to know that things are getting closer and I believe God has put us in a position why would God not tell his children and and allow his children to know when he's going to come he is and I believe that's what we're going to read in the scripture that's my goal here I'm going to show you what that looks like in the scripture and these are, I got this from, uh, y'all heard of uh, Rabbi Greg Hirschberg in uh, Macon? Anybody heard of Hirschberg? No, anyway, all right. He's a rabbi in Macon. But I got these three from him. It's very simple, but whenever you study in time, just keep it simple. Be watchful, be ready, and do something. That's it. Be watchful, be ready. See, be watchful just means be watchful. Just pay attention to your surroundings. We should always pay attention to our surroundings, what's going on, so you're ready. And be ready. How are we ready? We're studying the Torah. We're studying the Word. We're making sure we understand what God wants us to do. And do something. Do something means if you're a believer, be a believer. What do believers do? We tell people about the Lord we serve in the ministry. Maybe we're not serving. Maybe we're not, and we don't actually have to serve at a congregation, but we need to be doing something for God. If we're just sitting back coming to congregation just to fill up our heads with knowledge like we all that, and that's nothing. That's, that's where we're supposed to start. That's like the base. After that, we should be doing something. We should be serving. We should be walking with God. We should be teaching somebody something. I don't know what it is. We need to be cleaning the bathrooms. Our bathrooms need cleaning around here. You know what I'm saying? But we need to be doing something for the Lord. It's not just coming here and just fill up myself. That's not what it's all about. The rabbi didn't tell me to say that. Anyway. We know so much more than the disciples. And I say that because the disciples didn't have the New Testament. Think about that. The disciples, no, they did not have the New Testament because they were living the New Testament. So we know so much more. I say that we know so much more. We have the availability to know so much more. I think that would be a better way to phrase it. Because we have Torah. We have so much history behind what God has done so done so far that it's no excuse for us to just dive in and just study and learn. And what that's supposed to do is provoke us to follow him more. That was the scripture we read earlier. That's the, that's the whole point. It's to provoke us to follow him. We should not be afraid to dive in and learn about the end times. Some people are terrified to learn about the book of Revelation. We're going to read. We're going to read Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 6. And my mission, at least for the next few years, I've been studying the book of Revelations for years, but I really want to take it apart, and I want to study it more in a Hebrew perspective. Because when I started learning it first, it was was really from a Christian perspective, which really is almost the same, but it's different. I want to know the Jewishness of the book of Revelations. And it's so embedded. It's amazing when you start. We're only going to do one small aspect of it a day. We're just going to look at the scroll. But it's so embedded in Jewishness that it's amazing. So anyway, so don't be afraid to study the end time revelation because of what somebody, what you heard somebody else say. It means nothing. God wants to reveal things to us through his scripture. The scripture is not just a, um, a guidebook for life. It's not. It's a book of prophecy. It's a book of prophecy to tell us about what's going to happen. Because God wants to warn us. he look, hey, watch out for this. And the scripture in the book of Revelation it also talks about in the end, the very elect will be deceived. So that means many of us sitting right here, if we're that close, if, we, if I say many, and we have 10 people in the room, How many would you describe as many? Nine? Eight? At least seven, right? So think about that, seven out of 10 people, that was just our estimate, are gonna be deceived. So 70% of the time, you're gonna be in deception. That's a big deal. So that means I need to make sure I study the word so I'm not deceived. I don't wanna be the one Even though, Of course we're all going to say, I'm not going to be deceived. That's not me. Well, the scripture is telling you that some of us are lying. At least 70% of us are lying. Because some of us are going to be deceived. That's why it's so important to study the Torah. We're not just reading this for a guidebook for life just to help us get dated. It's a book of prophecy. It's a book to tell us what's going to happen next. And we need to do our due diligence to figure that out. Amen. If you could choose a moment in history to be born and you didn't know ahead of time who you were going to be you'd choose now. And this is my statistics mind thinking. I love statistics. Um, But because the world has never been less violent, healthier, better educated, more tolerant, with more opportunity for more people and more connected than it is today. Do you believe that? I believe that, and you know, you can look, the data can prove that, the data can prove it, but that's going to be what the data shows, does that have anything to do with end time prophecy, great question, huh, you see what I'm getting at, you see what I'm getting at, because sometimes we, we think our world around us, some of us think things are so bad, I know God is coming tomorrow, but I don't think things are that bad right now, at least not as bad as some of us think. They're not as bad as, as say, 30 years ago. 30 years ago, let's see, what is this? 2000 and, I want to go back even further than that. I want to go back to like the 60s and 70s. Some of y'all were around during the 60s and 70s, okay? Okay, I won't have any hands raised. All right, some of y'all remember those moments, 60s, 70s, some of y'all remember in America how bad the racism was, okay? A completely different world now. Okay? Some of us, because of the things that were going on in the world at that time, we said, you know what, this is why God is coming back. You see what I'm getting at? It's like we look at the things around it, and we need to discern that, but we need to really discern it from the Scripture. Focus on the Scripture, because so many of us, so, things are so bad that we want to project this is why this is happening to us. The Scripture says, in the world we will... Um, in this world, you will always have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. It says you will always, what does always mean? Always means, it means always. That means today, you'll always have things that are going on in your life like that. But that's not, that's not how we discern the scripture. The scripture needs to speak for itself. So that's why we gotta study the prophets, because the prophets are telling us something on how we need to live. All right, I'm trying to build a case. We have a fact-based worldview. We can see the world is not as bad as it seems, and we can see what we, we have to do to keep it, it making it better. That's good, that's not where I'm getting at. All right, end times 101. I think this is the basics of end times, and this has already happened. Think if you were living in 1910. Okay, this didn't happen this is end times 101 Israel had to be restored as a nation in 1910 was Israel restored as a nation no. no so if you're living during that time looking at your surroundings you don't see Israel you don't see this in biblical prophecy at all we see it now we see it kind of in hindsight when hindsight you mean like oh yeah I knew that was going to happen they didn't know it was going to happen in 1910 they didn't know it was going to happen in 1930 They don't know it's going to happen probably in 1945. But when they happen, people who are studying end time prophecy, they're going, "Whoa! Do you see what just happened? Israel became a nation. That is a miracle. See, that's how we got to see these things. We need to. We don't want to see it just from where we live. Y'all see what I'm getting at? We have to see it from what the scripture is saying. Period. See, that was a miracle because we didn't know it was going to happen but I'm grateful that it happened and number I got two number ones what's wrong with me don't answer that anyway <laughs> that was one and 1b one okay I can count all right so this the second one says the Jews had to be regathered as a people so not only did Israel had to become a nation according to the scripture that said that the Jews had to be regathered as a people. Is that hap- That's still happening now. There are Jews that are going back. That is a miracle. And I think this. I, I use these two because these two most people don't argue with. I'm just trying to be, but I want to go from the scripture. And we see it because it's in, we know it happened. Duh. But that's why it's so important for us to stay the end times on what the scripture specifically says. Don't go off of what's going on around you. Because if you do that, you may miss what God is trying to say altogether. We got to know what he's saying, period. All right, next question. What is the scroll? I love this. We're going to read Revelation chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 5. And I'll read in the, in the Tree of Life version. All right. It says, And I saw on the right hand of the one seated upon the throne a scroll written on both the front and the back. Hmm. Was there another document that something was written on the front and the back? What verse? Um, verse 1, sorry. And actually we're studying this um, in the book of Exodus. What other document? I'm trying to make y'all think. The Ten Commandments. I'm not saying this is the Ten Commandments. But I'm just trying to see you, I'm just trying to get you to see a connection. See a connection? I'm just all right, I'm just leaving that throwing it out there. All right. And I saw on the right hand of the one seated upon the throne a scroll written on the front and on the back, sealed with seven seals. I got this picture because I just thought it looked cool. Maybe, that looked, maybe that's how it looked. Written on both the front and back, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? No one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or, looked, or look into it. I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. So this scroll was really important. They really wanted to know what was in this scroll. Let me keep reading. Then one of the elders tells me, Stop weeping. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And let me go back here. So who do we think is opening the scroll? Yeshua. I think it's obviously the Messiah, Yeshua. Obviously. And no one else was worthy to open the scroll. No one. What's the importance of this scroll? Why is it why is it important? Because it's is it just the word of God? Or is it prophecy? I believe it's, I believe it's prophecy. And and if you look at if you understand the book of Revelation, it's not just about end time. It's really about unveiling the Messiah. It's unveiling who God is even further. That's what it is. It's all about. All right, let me read what else I have. That's hard to read. It says, John is weeping over the scroll, and no one can open it. And the 24 elders are in praise when the lamb is found to open the scroll. That was actually, I think, Do we read that here? Let me keep reading. We probably didn't get to that yet. We're on verse 6 now.
1: And in the midst of the throne and the four living
0: creatures and in the midst of the elders I saw a lamb standing as having been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of the one seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures And the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the Kedoshim, the saints. And they are singing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and for your blood, you redeemed us for God. Those, there's that word redeemed that we're going to go back to. You redeemed us for God. Those from every tribe and every tongue and people and nation. That's every tribe and every tongue. That means all of us. You have made them for our God and kingdom. A kingdom of Kohanim and they shall reign upon the earth. He made us a kingdom of priests and kings. Anybody know where else we, we hear that scripture? I have it somewhere. I want to read 1 Peter 2.9. And then we'll get back to that. I knew I wasn't going to. I know 1 Peter 2.9, but I don't want to badger it. But you're a chosen Generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may proclaim the praise of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So God made us; He made us kings and priests unto Him. Does that correspond to what we're reading now? Yeah, it does. Let um, keep going. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. Their number was myriads of myriads and the thousands of thousands. They were chanting with a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and everything in them responding To the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever and the four living creatures kept saying amen and the elders fell down and worshiped i love that i could read that like five times because you see the picture of them worshiping the one who was worthy to open up this scroll what is this scroll